Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Today we dive into our NFL draft coverage just a week away from the 2023 NFL draft. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as of right now, slated to pick at number 19. Welcome back to the pod. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Joining the show, great friend of the pod, uh, believer in the three sides minimum, and resident football expert, Pleasure to have you back. Trevor Sikama, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, boys? Doing well. Uh, really happy to have Trevor on here. Always want to get Trevor on before the draft because uh, he does some great work and uh, going to provide some great insight for us. Always good being with you gentlemen, getting to talk some Buccaneer football. So this is great. I mean, any anytime that uh, I get to hop on podcasts like this, it means that the draft is very close and we get to talk about the possibilities of who the books could potentially be drafted. So I know this will be a fun convo. I appreciate you guys having me on as always. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, the weeks leading up to the NFL draft are always productive because you see mock drafts, you see discussions, you hear about all of these top visits, right? The Bucks have been hosting some quarterbacks. We're going to talk about that to open up the show. And uh, I guess the cat's out of the bag. You know, let's talk about the possibility of the Buccaneers maybe looking at a quarterback at 19 or, mm-hmm. you know, I guess whatever they have to do to get there because a couple of trades on the night of the draft are not out of the question either. But, um, you know, Evan, what are your thoughts on, on potentially – the Bucks looking at a quarterback at 19 because with the visit of Hendon Hooker and Will Levis, uh, people have been talking about it for sure a hell of a lot more this week. Yeah, and then those are the two names. Um, if, if there's going to be somebody, one that's maybe available at 19, I know there's been some talk, but I, I would expect Hendon Hooker to fully be available. Um, but Will Levis, maybe not. It all depends on who you talk to with, with Will Levis. I mean, there's some that think he's not getting out of the top five. There's some that think, oh, Indy likes him, but Indy might not even get him because he's going to go before four. Um, and then there's some that think he may be available for the Buccaneers in 19. So it, it's I personally would just wait the year 
um, because you know that next year's quarterback class looks promising. Now I know there's an entire college football season that has to be played. There is a ton that can happen with the Buccaneers themselves and in college football between now and then. There's a lot of different things. But I, I wanted to sort of throw this question to Trevor because basically – the only quarterback, high-profile quarterback of the four is Will Levis, right? That could possibly be there. So if you're the Buccaneers GM, and let's say, and I, I don't, I'm, we're not talking about trading up, just strictly at 19, and Will Levis is sitting there, is he somebody that you pull the trigger on? Yeah, he is. Uh, okay. I, I'm not saying that you would for sure. I mean, it kind of depends who else is on the board, but I have a hard time believing that if Will Levis is still there at 19, there's going to be a better option for them because I think I've said this before, even on this show when you, you guys and I have talked about it. Like I didn't really understand the Kyle Trask pick when they made it. I, I thought that Trask was a product of his environment at Florida. And I'm a, I'm a Florida grad. I, I went to the university of Florida. I, I've watched every single snap that Trask ever took in Florida. I followed him throughout his high school career when he was a recruit going into Florida and he just never seemed like an Arians type of quarterback. So especially when Arians was involved in the offense and, even afterwards when it was Byron Leftwich there, he was never a fit to me. I couldn't believe that they used a second-round pick on Kyle Trask during the Tom Brady era when that could have been used for some sort of offensive weapon, a better defense player. I never understood it. I always saw Trask as kind of like this career backup quarterback, and I think there's a reason why you hear so much excitement for Baker Mayfield since he came in is because I think that even people around the organization are like, yes, okay, we have a different quarterback that I think we can believe in. So um, with that being the case, Baker is on his fourth team, fourth fourth team in a year. Yeah. Fourth team for Tampa with, with, with the Buccaneers. So it's not like even, even though you could say, Hey, look at Baker Mayfield, Heisman trophy winner, number one, overall pick. You can't really use that to say if a player of Will Levis's caliber gets 19, you don't take him. I think it's the opposite. If he makes it to 19, I think Will Levis should be the pick. I think he is that talented. I think he's that good of a quarterback. I think he is that the kind of player that you build around. And I think it's a really good situation, right? Levis doesn't have to start right away. Baker can start right away, and, and you can kind of ease him into that a little bit. And so when you look at – uh, the offensive weapons that he would have to throw to. I think the offensive line is going to continue to get better because Tampa is going to prioritize that. But uh, if Levis is there at 19, yeah, I'm probably taking him. Now, no, I don't want. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But you did talk about potentially Levis sitting. If let's say they were to draft him, is mm-hmm. he a guy that you think can come in day one and be your starter? Yeah, I do. Like, are are you making the playoffs and winning the Super Bowl with him? We year one is your starter. No, probably not. But this is a quarterback who I think you can play early on. You can have him go through his pro struggles, but I think you could certainly surround him with enough to where those struggles aren't going to kill his confidence. Right. I think that's always the difference between some of these really talented quarterbacks the ones who make it and the ones who don't are the ones who are in the situations where even though they fail early on, they can take those failures as lessons, get better from them, maintain their confidence. The ones that fizzle out are the ones that struggle. And then all of a sudden they doubt themselves and they second guess themselves. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, Mayfield's that one of those quarterbacks, like Mayfield was one of those guys where you remember the very first time that he came out in Cleveland, he looked like he was on fire. He was playing with nothing to lose. He was playing full confidence there. He, he had no worries in the world. And then, 
as he kind of continued to be the starter, when he started to fail and when things that he was doing weren't working, you just saw him lose confidence. And then it was like this gunslinger quarterback that was trying to play as a game manager and it just, it was not working. So I do feel as though, even though it's not going to be perfect, sometimes it won't be pretty. Levis is still the caliber of a quarterback that you can play in year one and you could be okay with some of the lumps that you're taking. Now, you had mentioned your personal feelings on Kyle Trask. And and listen, I, I got to be honest, you know, for anyone who follows the Bucs, I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a very well kept secret that, uh, you know, the Buccaneers organization, a lot of people in that front office, this coaching staff, they're not the highest on Kyle Trask. I mean, you bring in Baker Mayfield and people people are excited about Baker Mayfield, and and I think a lot of this fan base almost expects him to win this job, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think Kyle Trask winning this job would say a lot more about Trask than it would Mayfield. They at this they point. had a chance. They had a chance to play him in the entire second half right. against Atlanta in a game that was meaningless, and they gave him two drives in the fourth quarter. Like so, that tells you all you need to know. So, with that being said, continuing the conversation of a potential quarterback in the first round for Tampa Bay, I know we kind of already talked about. Uh, them picking at 19 and while this mm-hmm. doesn't seem very likely you know it, it, they communicated they don't want to trade Devin White but that is still on the table definitely something that could still happen on draft night you know it, it's not over until the draft is over and then we can focus on on uh, you know moves after that but it's like with the departure of Blaine Gabbert now and uh, Kyle Trask being received as well as he has do you think that opens the door anymore for the Bucks to maybe take a chance here and in I don't know how they're going to do it, but maybe trade up. Is there a quarterback you think they would like that much? Or, you know, again, is that something that they would probably want to wait and be more aggressive on next year? So here's the thing with being aggressive, especially with where Tampa is at 19. It would require you giving a decent amount of draft capital to move up like to your question, let's say all four of these quarterbacks we believe are going to go within the top 11. And I'll say 11 because 11 is where the Titans are. So all four of these quarterbacks could go off the board before where Tennessee is at number 11. You would have to trade from 19 to somewhere. Philly with 10? I mean, maybe Philly with 10 if a guy falls that you like. But then again, like, Philly already has two first round picks. Maybe they're looking to move back, but you would have to give up a decent amount. And the thing is, Jason Light loves to draft. He 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 came up in the NFL world through the scouting department. He was a scout. He was a director of player personnel. Like he was an assistant GM when he was in Arizona, I believe. And then he gets a general manager tab. And there's a reason why the Bucs aren't one of these super volatile teams that, you know, one year they've got 12 draft picks and the next year they've got five because they traded all them them away for different players. There's a reason why they don't do that. And it's because Jason likes his draft picks. Now, not we, we saw them move up for Tristan Wirfs. And, you know, even after the draft, uh, there were stories that came out where it was like, hey, we were trying to get up even higher to go get him. And, and just like nobody was falling for it. But it's hard for me to see the Bucks knowing Jason moving into a realm where they can pick a quarterback because it's going to cost them not just this year's first round pick to draft one, but it might cost them next year's first round draft. And and next year's might be pretty valuable. And obviously next year's might be pretty valuable for sure. But it's also the fact that is Jason going to want to go into next year 
not having a first round pick. I think that would bum him the hell out. Like, I think that he would just be bummed out about it. So I I think that he is a GM that that views, hey, sometimes you got to push the chips all in. Sometimes it's a rebuilding phase. He does have a good understanding of that. But it, it's hard for me to believe, even in the situation they are needing a quarterback, that they would jump super far to go get one. I think what's more realistic is if Anthony Richardson or Will Levis are sliding past 11, then you start getting on the phone and you go, hey, we'll give you two third-round picks to move up. Hey, we'll give you one second-round pick next year to move up. That's a lot more doable than it is jumping into the top 10 and having to probably give up next year's one. And here's my thing with maybe um, – this is going to be the last like quarterback talk for now. Um, uh, let's say hypothetically, let's say you call Philly at 10, okay? Mm-hmm. And that will – I mean, that's nine spots. Like that's going to require your 2024 first-round pick. And at that rate at 10, you're likely taking the fourth quarterback off the board. So you're taking the last like top tier quarterback and you're giving up significant draft capital to to do it. So, yeah, I I don't see now. Would it shock me if well, if they trade up in the top 10, that would shock me. But like your scenario, maybe. I mean, sure. If um, what New England's sitting there at 14, if he's there at 14 and you want to get ahead of maybe Washington sitting there, right? You're a little bit worried that maybe Washington could pick a guy. OK, maybe you make that call then. Uh, maybe you try and see if it's possible, if it's doable. But yeah, to get of where they're going to need to get up to. I mean, especially in Anthony Richardson. I mean, I think we can agree that the one who would maybe fall is Will Levis. I just, mm. I would be shocked to see Richardson available there. Yeah. Um, but I just don't see it as wise. And like you said, I think if anything, like, yeah, they might be looking to get more picks for, for next year, not less, especially right. a first round pick that it will, I mean, <laughs> If the Bucks didn't make the playoffs this year, it would have been a top ten pick. Like, imagine and, if they and, if they missed the playoffs the thing, this year. Right? Like, think of the think of the roster that they had this year. Mm-hmm. Think of who's no longer on that roster, right? A lot of veterans that they moved on from. Tom Brady is obviously gone. So, if they wouldn't have won the division, they're would it have officially been in the top ten? I can't remember. It, yeah, because all three been, all three teams, the Saints are our last team. That's Philly at ten. So. Right. So so it would they would have been a top ten team. Then you gotta just pick the quarterback. <laughs> and that's and that's kind of the thing when I think about Tampa and maybe their strategy, their long term strategy for a quarterback is they got to look at the roster this year versus the roster last year. And sure. Jason, I think, has said this offseason, like, we don't plan to be bad. It's not like we're, like, planning to tank. And I don't think they're planning to tank. Howard Bowles doesn't. I know that. But there's no doubt about it. The roster you have this year is not as good as the roster you had last year. You would have been a top 10 drafting team with last year's team if you did not win the division. You got to think you're probably going to be around that six to 12 range coming up after what we're going to see this year, expecting them to not win the division. And if that's the case, then you're in a lot more comfortable of a position to give up future things, to go move up, to get the guy that you want, not just the guy that's sliding. So do you think Jason light would be more likely and more willing to give up a, let's say next year, a 2025 first round pick to move up from seven to two for a quarterback? If you think Caleb Williams or Drake May or Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers or whoever it's going to be is worth it, then yes, mm-hmm. I do think that that uh, that is 
that is more plausible to me, having more control at the very top of the draft, going to get one of those kind of quarterbacks, if it comes to fruition that way, mm-hmm. than he would say to get from like 19 to 10 just to pick QB4, like you were mentioning. Okay. And speaking, you know, speaking of let, let's we talked about trading up. Let, let's talk. Let's the most likely scenario is that they're staying at 19. I mean, maybe they trade back, but let's assume they, they stay at 19. Mm-hmm. Who are, you know, some of your your favorite options for them at 19th overall? You know, who you think will be there versus, you know, the need that is there for them? So I think there's four, five players, I should say, that that come to my mind right away that I would really like. Uh, the first two are offensive tackles, and I don't necessarily have these in order, although I could order them in my head once I get done with my rant. Maybe I'll have an order in my head. Darnell Wright or Anton Harrison, I think, would be fantastic for them. I love Darnell Wright. I mean, there's some people have kind of talked about a little bit off the field concerns, maybe some work ethic concerns. That's part of the scouting process that I don't get to evaluate myself. So I can't really take those into account. All I can take into account is the guy that I saw on the field, the person that I met at the combine, the guy whose interview that I listened to at the combine and on the field, he's an absolute ass kicker. He is so incredibly talented. And I think that after listening to him at the combine and listening to a couple of videos that he has done breaking down his film, one of them with Brandon Thorne, who's uh, one of the best out there at breaking down offensive line play. He's so much more cerebral than he gets credit for. He's not. Yeah, he's he's super aggressive because he always wants to bring the fight to defenders who are coming at him. But he approaches things, I think, in a really, really smart way. So he'd be phenomenal. I think you you draft him, you play him at right tackle right away. Easy. You, you kick Tristan Wirfs, who is incredibly talented and can absolutely play left tackle over to the left side. And Anton Harrison's the other one from Oklahoma. I think he's been a starter for three years, two and a half, I think, technically, because he wasn't a starter at the very beginning of his uh, true freshman season. But been a starter for two and a half seasons at Oklahoma. Got a ton of snaps under his belt. It's not like this guy is super green where if you put him out there in day one, he's he's not going to know what to do. It's going to be an acclimation period to size, strength, speed of NFL edge rushers. But in terms of playing the position, man, I mean, he's been doing it for such a long time. I think that's an easy plug and play there. Nolan Smith is another guy I'm super intrigued by. Um, if he makes it down to 19. I was going to ask if you think he's going to be there. Now. Yeah, I don't I don't know because I'm going to be honest. This is not the strongest draft class. And because of that, I don't know where players are going to go because and I've 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 read you know, like what scouts have thought about Nolan Smith and they're all over the place. Like some people go, yeah, he's he's a great pass rush specialist designated pass rusher if you will that you know could go in the third round and i've seen other people go yeah he's one of the most athletic edge rushers don't let him get out of the top 20 huge range right there's a huge range of where you could see this guy and how talented he is so because of how athletic i think nolan smith is because he's got such high football character because he is such a dirty work i'll do whatever it takes to get on the field and do what i need to do for the team to win kind of a guy i gotta think he's gonna be a first round pick I would be comfortable drafting him in the top 20 because I'd want those kinds of players on my football team. So he's another guy that I would like uh, just to get on the team. Brian Branch, the slot receiver, sorry, the slot corner from Alabama. He's also a safety as well. Um, I was talking with the loose cannon guys, and I believe they were telling me that um, Bowles said he doesn't want Winfield Jr. to play in the slot as much this upcoming year because he is so good as a free safety. And that was really my only big reservation about the Bucks drafting Brian Branch at 19. It's because Winfield Jr. can play it so well. 
are you going to get to a point where you'd like rather have him because branch to me is not athletic enough to play single high all the time, but Winfield jr is. So if you're comfortable letting him be more of a free safety type and you're really okay with letting branch play in the slot, man, he is so smart. He is so reliable dude. Like three missed tackles in the last three years. It's insane how reliable this guy is. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. And sometimes that gets him in a little bit of trouble, but uh, he is such a smart football player. You would love to get on your defense. Uh, and then the fifth guy that I would throw into this rotation of a top five for me for Tampa is Bijan. If Bijan makes it to 19, he is plenty talented enough for you to be okay drafting a running back in the first round. I know that's very taboo nowadays. Nobody wants to do it. Everybody talks about how, you know, like the value is not right. But this is to me, Bijan Robinson is a Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley type of impact player. Now, I don't think he's as top end fast as those guys, and I think that's where I've gotten most of the pushback, but look at the rest of his game. Unbelievable footwork, incredible vision, body contact balance to get so many yards after contact, extremely soft hands, such great vision. He's such a smart runner, can create an open space, has an unbelievable amount of forced missed tackles over the last two years. One of those productive backs in all of college football, and he's like never hurt. So a- averages like, averages over six yards a tote, right? I mean, just stupid. ridiculous numbers. It's stupid. So yeah. I, I just want to make sure everybody listening to this podcast knows that yes, you can get productive running backs in all rounds of the NFL draft. You cannot get a player like Bijan. And for the Bucks specifically, I love Rashad White. And if they didn't pick a running back in the first round and they rolled with him, and I don't know. Zach Charbonnet later or so like whoever it's going to be to kind of like have a little smash and dash or get a running back rotation room. That would be great as well. But if the board doesn't fall the way they want to, if the offensive tackles are off the board, if Brian Branch is off the board, if Nolan Smith ain't there, if the quarterbacks ain't there, and if Bijan Robinson is sitting there at 19, you can take him. Now, uh, quarterback is obviously the easy answer here, but you look at where they're trying to build this Bucks team back up and, and where they have been exposed and what has lost them games in the past, you know, Depth on both sides of the trenches, getting younger at that position is something they need to focus on. Uh, the departure of of guys like Mike Edwards going to Kansas City there in the in the secondary. So when you look at the Bucks at 19 and you look at some potential draft fits, when you look at the position that they should target, what would you rank as the top priority? Because, you know, I don't think running back as a top priority as fun as Bijan at 19 would be. But, you know, if you've got a top tackle and Bijan Robinson right there, is it best player available or do you think they, they weigh out their priorities a little bit more? Well, it kind of depends how high you have these offensive tackles rated, right? I think I have five offensive tackles in my top 20. So I rate them all very highly. I, I have Bijan as my number two overall player, but because I also like the offensive tackles a lot in this class, if it was offensive tackle or Bijan, I'm probably picking offensive tackle. The offensive line is without a doubt, to me, the weakest link of this team. I, like, I love Ryan Jensen. I love Tristan Wirfs. Everybody else is unproven. Like these guys, you could say, okay, they've had good moments. Even some of the backup guys who are going to get starting roles or at least shots at starting roles this upcoming season. But I, people look at Tom Brady last year and they go, man, Brady was absolutely washed. Brady didn't want to get hit. 
Brady didn't trust that offensive line. Getting the ball out so quick. Oh, what? oh my so god! I, I don't, I don't know why it took people so long to see that. We were saying it all year. I think since week three or four, it's like, man, he, he kind of like just doesn't trust those guys at all. Every, you know? every time, every time you saw the bird, uh, the, the ball get thrown into the dirt at Rashad White's feet, I'm like, well, it's not the thing. It's just, it's not him. It's just right. the, he knows that he's gonna get killed if he holds it on for another second or two. That offensive line compared to the offensive line that they have when they made their Super Bowl run. I mean, for as much as fans or even like 2019, like this was the worst offensive line the Bucks. Oh, had no, a qu- oh bit. no question. Like, no question. Dude, think about think about the offensive line that they had for Brady's first year when they won the Super Bowl. It was Donovan Smith, it was Ali Marpet, mm-hmm. it was Ryan Jensen, it was Alex Kappa, and it was Tristan Wirth, and yep. nobody missed a game. Mm-hmm. I, don't, well, I, don't, I don't know if nobody missed a game. It was, uh, it was Aaron, Aaron Kappa missed the playoffs. Yeah, Aaron yeah, okay, right. filled in at right guard. They were so healthy, and they were so good up front. That was the catalyst of why they were able to win the Super Bowl. They had the, the players around them, but they were really good in the trenches. When Donovan Smith is your weak link, you got a damn good offensive line. Do you want him as your best offensive lineman? No, probably not. But when he's your worst of the five, you got a damn good offensive line on your hands. And this year, they've got two good ones, but it takes five to play the positions right. And so, yeah, no question about it. They don't really have anybody in in the in the farm either. You know, they don't have anybody you know coming up that they go, oh, this young guy. Let's give. I mean, Gedeke is the only guy. I mean, they, I like, and I, and I like Gedeke, and I, I don't want to – he could be fine. Like, he could be a starting guard in the and, NFL, so I don't want to take that away from him. I know him. we talk about starting guard. You know, it was a rough rookie season for Luke Gedeke, but we talk more and more about, you know, Tristan Wurst potentially making the switch to left tackle. He even mm-hmm. addressed it uh, when the Bucks returned to the facility earlier last week. You know, he's been taking reps on the left side. I feel like he knows this is a legitimate discussion that's been had um Luke Gedeke is a name that gets tossed into the hat when you start talking about replacements at right tackle so what are your thoughts on that Trevor do you think because in my opinion I mean my gut tells me Luke Gedeke is going to be starting right tackle week well, but one. He, he also he can't be any worse than he was at left guard so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think Trevor you think that's a realistic possibility or, or are they looking to keep Gedeke at guard you think have they said where they're going to play Filer yet no, no, they, 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 they haven't like officially. I know we played a little bit of guard and, and tackle, right, um, but right. they had, they haven't really talked. They haven't talked about it at all. To me, I feel like Filer would play right tackle just because of the experience. And if, if the team believes that Gedeke is a guard long-term, then you're just going to play the veteran at tackle and you're going to let Gedeke play at the position you think that he's going to start at longer. You're right. not going to move him to just then move him back. So that would be my assumption of what they're trying to do. All right. Here's, here's my question regarding the two tackles before we move on. Mm-hmm. What, what makes the offensive line better? Do you have Tristan works where like, okay, yes. Can he play left tackle? Sure. I think he can, mm-hmm. but we know what, how good he is at right tackle. We know mm-hmm. he is an all pro right tackle has the potential to be one of the best right tackles. It has a hall of fame potential. If he continues on this pace. Mm-hmm. Okay. You move him to the left side. Let's say, all right, Darnell Wright's more of a, you know, a right tackle. I think Anton Harrison's played more on the left side. Correct. Yes. Um, so what is the better combination, do you think? Tristan Wirfs on the left side where you you think he's going to be good, but you're not 100% sure, and Darnell Wright on the right, or you have Anton Harrison there with Tristan Wirfs on that right side, and you know what he can do on the right side. 
I would still tell you that Darnell Wright at right tackle and Tristan Wirfs at left tackle would be the combination that I would go with just because I like Darnell Wright more than I like Anton Harrison. I think they're both good offensive tackles, but I would tell you that that's the better combo. Now, I will say and fully believe I can't really answer that until I until I unless I were to see Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. Yeah. N- nobody can answer that with That's enough confidence. Yeah. The only the only people that would really be able to answer that are the Bucks coaching staff and therefore the Bucks front office. Like like you mentioned, you get Tristan Wirfs in the building, you call him up during the offseason, you say, "Hey man, as you're working out throughout these months, work out at left tackle. See if you you know you, if you can get it down, if you can be comfortable with it." And if he came back to, you know, the voluntary workouts and we start getting on the field a little bit and he looks good at left tackle, then you go, okay, options are wide open. But if he looks awkward as hell, then you're either going to have to be okay with the learning period that's going to take for him to play left tackle if you still believe he can, or you got to kind of say, hey, if Darnell Wright doesn't want to be a left tackle in the NFL, or if we don't think he could be a left tackle in the NFL, then we're probably not going to take him. Yeah. So and and I know I've said on this show in the past that it's not as easy as people say, oh, to switch him to the left side or do this. Mm-hmm. It's not that easy. I will say, I mean, <laughs> Ali Moore play, played both tackle, uh, both guard spots and on center yeah. for this team. So and he did them all. I mean, center was iffy, but like both guard spots, he was excellent at. So like they can do it. But and I'll so one offensive line coach who I heard this from said, it's like wiping your butt with the, uh, your opposite hand (laughs) where it's like, you could do it. It's just, it just feels weird. Like it feels wrong. Right. It's just not natural. (laughs) It just takes a bit to get used to. Um, No, moving from left to right is, and and you know, this has kind of been a learning part of how I have scouted offensive linemen, the guys that can switch to different sides of the line scrimmage or from tackle to guard, there is such a natural aspect of playing the trenches that comes with being able to do that. And I noticed that in my rankings this year, I have Peter Skronsky as a top offense tackle in the draft. Why? Not because he's the most athletic, not because he's got the best length, not because he's got the best build, because he is just the best offensive lineman. He is a natural. It's like he was born to play offensive line. And for a league, that is so difficult to succeed in, I'm going to bet on that player. Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse is another offensive lineman who I believe can be a potential starting caliber tackle in the NFL, but also almost an all-pro guard because he is just a naturally good offensive lineman. You can just tell by the way he moves, how he finishes his blocks, what he does with his footwork, his hands, how he engages and how he resets his hands against pass rushers. Like, he just gets it. It's not like he's thinking, oh, I got a technique, this technique. Like, he's just out there blocking people because it's what he could do. Nick Saldaveri from Old Dominion's kind of the same way where he's a tackle. And I've got these guys, I've noticed, higher than players who are longer, bigger, more athletic, maybe more alluring, maybe have a higher athletic ceiling, but I have them lower on my big board just because I've prioritized guys who just get it. These big dudes who are just natural offensive linemen. And those are the players that I that I always gravitate towards. That's why Ali Marpet was such an incredible offensive lineman for the Bucs is because no matter where they put him, they, if he needed tackle reps, either guard, center, he's just an O-lineman. He was just born to be an O-lineman. 
And, and just to put into perspective for a lot of people, I know Ali Marpet, you know, one year removed from his retirement, the guy just turned 30 and we're already sitting here talking about him as, uh, you know, one of the most highly regarded offensive linemen in Buccaneer history. What a great career for him to get away at such a young age. But, and, and, um, it turned out that was the biggest loss. From yeah. Our, yeah. You know, no from kidding. Season, I mean, so. we saw it play out for the worse as far as the offensive line troubles went in 2022, but uh, happy for Ali Marpet, man. And just a big one of those O-line guys, like you said, Trev. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so. All right, we're moving on from from nineteen now. I always I love day two. Like, I just I I love day two. And and this is actually, um, I think some people, Josh Capo, I think from Peter Report, um, retweeted something about Jason Light is, you know, he's like one of the more aggressive GMs. He said how he likes draft picks. Yeah, he likes draft picks, but he also likes to trade up in day two. Um, so just keep an eye on that. But what are your favorite day two options for the Bucks. Let's assume they go grab an Anton Harris in the first round. So tackles off the board. So what are your favorite potential day two options? Who you think will be there, who you think they could target, et cetera. Yeah, this is a great question. I haven't really dove into day two with the Buccaneers. Obviously I'd like for them to get a, an, another running back at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, depends kind of how early you want to dip into that. Well, but there's a lot of really good ones. To choose. Well, basically, what's their second biggest need, and why is it Ed Rusher? Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's de- it's it is definitely Ed Rusher. I'm trying to think though, because where do they pick? They pick fifty, I think. Think fifty. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking pr- at my pretty I'm, sure it's fifty. I'm looking at my big board. Yeah, so I mean, I've got, I've got, you got eight, Felix, I got Felix from Kansas State. I'm not pronouncing that last name, but Anudike Uzama. Yeah, but like. Okay, he might be there. I don't think he will be, but he but might that's be. the thing. I've got eight edge rushers in my top forty. Mm. So well, like a BJ Ojolari. I got BJ Ojolari twenty ninth. <laughs> oh, you're a big so, fan of him, <laughs> right? No, no, no. I like him a lot. The NFL is not as high on him as I am, but so like a BJ Ojolari could potentially be there. Who I would love for them to get because I think he's an actual pass rush technician. Um, he's somebody who is going to go into the NFL and be one of the more polished pass rushers of the edge rush group. Um, not the fastest or not the bendiest edge rusher, but he knows what he's doing. And even if he's not like a takeover type of pass rusher, a guy that I think you'd love to get out on the field. Cause I think he'd still give you a lot of backfield production. You know, they, you, you talk about running back, right? You, you talk yeah. running back. You'd have what Jameer Gibbs, maybe from Alabama, probably not, but maybe. He might, but probably not. Zach Charbonnet will probably be there. I, I he, would expect he'd probably him to be, be there. there. He'd probably be there. Um, I think that'd be a good one. And I mean, I think like as far as, I mean, Ty J Spears, if you wanted to maybe reach for him a little bit, I think it, like 50 might be a little rich. But I mean, if you like him enough, he was a star at the senior bowl. So, yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to go running back there, I wouldn't go running back just yet. I like a lot of day three running backs, but I, I think – it would be wise of them to spend, uh, you know, their first two picks on the trenches because Rhett, you I mentioned agree. it. Like that was a big weakness for them last year, and right now, Shaq Even, Barrett is I, getting up there and he's coming off the major injury. Joe Trashwinka has improved himself. Like, yeah, uh, you right. need a guy. Yeah, even in 2021, you know, when you had the better roster down the stretch, those injuries were just killing you. And unfortunately, when we talk about edge rushers for the Bucks, you're you're leaning on the development of a Joe Tryon Shoyinka and Shaq Barrett. Still on a big contract, but you don't know what kind of player he's going to be coming off of that injury. Yeah. Right. You really, you really don't. I know the guy's right around 30 years old and we're obviously big supporters of Shaq here on the show, but 
you know, we didn't get a whole lot from him before the injury last year. And uh, you're curious to see what that trend is going to look like here in 23. Yeah. Do you have any, you have any pass rushers you got your eye on there for day two? I mean, even in the third round, because I mean, you could look, I mean, I think, th- I think they, they like Sidney Brown, the safety from Illinois. Oh, they um, should. I, he's, uh, one, he, I, he's one of my favorite players in the class. <laughs> I, I, I think they like him. So if they don't pick Brian Branch in the first round, I could right. see a guy like Sidney Brown be an option there for them in yeah. the second. So, um, yeah. Did you, do you have any you like or? Yeah. So I'm still looking at it. I mean, like, Keanu Benton could be a player on the interior defensive line if they want to get which bigger. Which they, they also need. They need interior yeah, guys. Too. I think him, I mean, maybe out of Tamiwa Adabare from Northwestern, who I like, but you already kind of have a tweener player in Logan Hall. Are you going to draft another one? Probably not. That probably takes Kobe Turner off the board as well. Edge rushers, now, now you're kind of getting into like Tuli Tui Pelotu from USC. Um, Derek Hall from Auburn. I like I, I like Hall. I like Hall, but I think he's more of a third round guy. I like Hall too. I think he's. I do agree with you. I think he's more of a third rounder. I wish Derek Hall wouldn't wouldn't go into guys' chests so often when he doesn't have to. Like that's the. I, I think Derek Hall is good enough and explosive enough to attack the outside shoulder, and instead, it's like he wants to run through people every. Every snap, even when he's doing like a long arm move, it's almost like he does a long arm, he gets the separation, and then he wants to like bump into him as he's going, like give him a push pull or something as he's going around. It's like, no, you created the separation, just rip him to the side. Like you don't got to touch him. So I think that that just that part of his game needs work. And I don't know if that's just his preference. Okay. Well, how about we we open, we open up something else? Let's say it's not tackle in the first round. Is there a tackle on on day two that they can maybe look at? I know you you mentioned Bergeron. I mean, is, is he a guy that they can maybe look at? I would. I think Bergeron would be a fantastic pick for him. Again, I don't know if he can start at tackle just because he is limited in his length. Well, I they might he, need a guard too. So right, and I think <laughs> that he's like an all-pro guard for you if you can, um, if if you want him to play there. But Tampa's Tampa's a tough team right now. Like yeah. Tampa's this draft, I don't know how well it's going to line up for them and their needs. Like Keon White, I think, is somebody along the defensive line who I think that they would really like because he could play inside and out. But I have Keon White ranked on my board 51st. I think that's a good spot for him, like late second round. But Keon White was he's gonna be at the draft. Like he's <laughs> one of he's one of 20 players that are gonna be at the draft. And I'm like, if we're picking Keon White in the top 20, I'm going crazy over here. <laughs> I'd pick him in the back of the second round, let alone the back of the oh. first. So it's that's why it's so tough to predict this draft because it's going to look so different from team to team. And whoever the Bucks end up taking, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's just going to be lip service when they say like, yeah, we love this dude because there's a good chance that who, the players that they love are going to be not just specific to them, but a lot more specific to them than it would normally be, you know, where you would go, yeah, okay, we loved them. Okay, so did everybody else. Or, yeah, we didn't like that guy. Neither did anybody else. There's just a lot more polarization from this class. So I, there's there's players that I'm sure they love that I don't love as much and vice versa. So that's why it, it is kind of kind of hard to predict once you get into the second round. But I do agree with you that I think prioritizing the trenches – in the first two rounds, I would say the first three rounds 
is really the direction that they should go. Whoever it's going to be, whether it's offensive tackle in the first or edge rusher in the first, and then just offensive lineman in, in the second or third, like that's the direction that I would go on this team. If you're taking your lumps with the salary cap, if you're eating a lot of that veteran cap on the that's that's dead money this year, go invest in the trenches and hopefully slingshot it into next year. And just a note, like let's say you pick a tack on the first round, what a great position for a potential rookie quarterback to go into next in 2024. Um, like so, I mean that's perfect. Let's say it is Darnell Wright, and you have Darnell Wright and Tristan Wirfs, your two tackles. Yeah, that's um, like sick. that's a, that's a good. And you still have Chris Godwin, you still have Mike Evans. Like K. Dot maybe develops into something. If Rashad White's there, um, mm-hmm. so all right. But you talk about day two. We talked about the trenches. Trevor, they might need a linebacker, maybe. Um, right, because uh, obviously the Devin White trade request. Uh, first, my first question is, what kind of value do you think he would maybe bring back in a trade? Um, and then also, let's say they do deal him. I mean, what are you looking at for linebacker? Yeah. So when it comes to trade compensation for Devin White. You got to think if somebody's trading for him, they're going to want to pay him a lot of money. And that's a that's a huge no-no of team building, right? You don't want to spend draft capital and cap space yeah. on a player, especially a linebacker, because it's just a lower position of value, right? I mean, if you were going to double up on your spending there, you would rather do it at offensive tackle or pass rusher, or edge rusher, maybe corner, um, quarterback, of course, although the Lamar Jackson situation is a little odd. The Roquan Smith situation where he got dealt for, was it a first? Did they give a first? No, what did no they give? It, was, it was a second and second. a fifth. Yeah, it was a second and a fifth for Roquan Smith. And then they obviously had to pay him a ton of money. And Devin Roquan White, Smith is better than Devin White. Deb, Roquan Smith is is a lot more valuable, I will say, than Devin White because of what he does as the middle-of-the-field communicator, the organizer, and the coverage player. If Levante David wasn't on the Buccaneers, linebacker for Tampa would look a lot worse than it does. Devin White is able to make a lot of splash plays, I think, because of what Levante David does around him in coverage. And I think other teams around the NFL know that as well. Well, and I mean, we've just seen it in the past. You know, there's a lot of guys that have played next to Levante David. You know, Quan Alexander had that big contract with San Francisco and and kind of fizzled out because he didn't have that supporting cast. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so with Devin, I wonder if... You know, it's it's a situation where I don't think the price tag is going to match. Like, I don't think the Bucks are going to get. I I I don't think the Bucks are going to move on from him for anything less than the third round pick. Mm. I don't know if a team's going to give you a third round pick or more. So it's one of those situations where I don't think the price is going to match even before you get to the contract talks. So I ultimately think I think he's going to be a Buccaneer this upcoming season. I don't know if they're going to resign him i think it might be a similar situation to lamar jackson where they might say like okay go hit free agency like we're gonna we we will offer you a fair contract but what you are asking for if he's still gonna look for a hundred million dollars he's like you're not gonna get what you think you're gonna get so you can go test the market and hopefully you have a good relationship with him and maybe you could bring him back if the price tag is a little bit lower but um anyways i i still think that he's gonna be on the team maybe to get blown away with an offer maybe he's not but if he's not you look at a guy like Diane Henley, perhaps a uh, really fast athletic linebacker from Washington State. 
Um, and, 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 and these are guys. These are guys on day two, most likely, right? Yeah, because yeah. Because Drew Sanders, maybe I know Daniel Jeremiah's like first mock draft. I think had the Bucks taking Sanders at nineteen, and then after yeah. that, there's nothing. But. Sanders, I mean Sanders, Sanders would be perfect if you're going to get rid of Devin because Sanders is a former edge rusher. He Nine and a half to rush the pass here. Yeah, I mean he is an athletic dude. He's big, he's long, he's not built like most that off-ball linebacker. So if you're trading Devin White and you're looking to replace him one-for-one one and Drew Sanders on the board at 19, which I think he probably will be, that's your easy replacement. But um, Jack Campbell is another good linebacker who might make it to him at 50, who I think that they could get, who's, I think, a really reliable player. But do you want to spend pick 50 on a linebacker? Maybe not. If you're getting a little bit further, then like I said, you're talking about Diane Henley from Washington State. You're talking about, about Dor- you're talking about spending, Williams. Spend a pick fifty on a linebacker. They spent pick five. So well, no, look, I know that they would do it if they I know they would do it if they think it's worth it, but they also, you know, you look at Devin White and just the athletic profile of him, yeah. and it's 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 a little bit different of an argument than it is for uh, for Jeff. Well, I also think the trade value might depend on his contract demands. Like, oh, if his contract's crazy, yeah. a yeah, team yeah, yeah. may be like, "We're just not gonna do it." So, yeah, right. We'll see. Is, uh, uh, I, I also do expect him to stay because you got because you got to think about this too. Like, if you know, if if Devin's getting anywhere near the contract that he thinks he's going to get, Bucks are going to get a third or a fourth round comp pick back anyways if yes. he leaves. Right. So there's no reason to move on from him again for anything less than a third. So mm-hmm. I just I don't think I do not think the the value is gonna the, gonna match for him to get moved. Yeah, while it may not happen this year, you know, do you think he's the type of player to hold out or at the very least make this a distraction for a Bucks team that really cannot afford any distractions this year? I don't know. I really don't. I, I I don't know if he's a guy who now look distraction. I'm always very wary of that word because at the end of the day, your next down could be your last. Right, Devin's trying to get paid. He he's trying to get la- and you know what? You I don't can't blame fault him. players for trying yeah. to get paid. No, yeah. and I and I, and really I don't can't. at all whatsoever. So that's why I I'm always kind of wary of the word distraction. And a lot of people ask this question. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, if he holds out, is it a big distraction for the team? And it's a fair question to ask. But I would always say, you know, like I, I can't fault a guy for doing it, right? Especially a guy who's already played most of his rookie contract linebacker. You literally get hit every single play other than running back linebacker is the most punishing position in the NFL, because instead of getting hit, you're doing also, it's tough to be a a a distraction. Those players on the field in training camp are not worried about Devin White's contract. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, these are grown men. These are obviously professional athletes to some degree. So it's like it's only as distracting as they make it for themselves. Right. 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 But it's still not I, something you want. <laughs> sure. I, I just uh, the answer is I, I don't know. I don't know if he is a player who would say, nope, I've done enough. Nope. I think I've earned my money. I'm not going to play until I. And it'll, it'll be curious to see if the Bucks test that or not. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that's just about going to do it for today's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Big shout out to our friend Trevor Sikama for joining us. Always a pleasure. Trevor, where can the people find you and your content? Oh, uh, PFF.com. Whereas where you can find all the great draft stuff that we're doing over there, um, releasing the big boards, the final mock drafts, all that good stuff. If you guys want a full 
comprehensive look at all the players in the class and what they could do for the Buccaneers when they're drafted, before they're drafted, whatever. Go to pff.com, download the draft guide. I think there's a big sale that's going on from now until the draft. So definitely go check that out as well as uh, my podcast. After your faithful listeners listen to your podcast, they can go over and listen to the NFL stock exchange podcast with myself and Connor Rogers, but it's always great being with you boys. I appreciate you having me on the show. Resident draft expert and a great Twitter follow. So uh, make sure you get on it. Also check out my co-host Evan on Instagram at bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. You got anything in the hopper this week? Uh, yeah, just keeping up with the draft profile. So just had uh, Zach Harrison and then uh, coming up with my last one uh, coming up here ne- next week. So and then getting ready for the draft. Uh, I wanted to ask Trevor, actually, you mentioned the, the Twitter. Uh, as of today, Trevor, do you still have a blue check mark? Or I don't. I think it went away. <laughs> I think I checked this morning and I think that it went away, which is funny because I remember when I was coming up in the business, all I wanted was to get verified. And it was I, that I remember. Pro- it was it was that process where you basically had no control over it. It was basically like you applied and Twitter was like, yeah, you're a big deal. Or they were just like, nah, you're a nobody. And so I always like wanted to try to get to the point where they would verify me. And I finally did one year. But it is funny that things come full circle. And here we are again. We're all checklists. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Uh, last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, no check mark, but you can find me on Twitter at Redicus, uh, Instagram on the same thing. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Thank you once again to our special guest, Trevor Sikama, for jumping on the pod. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you guys in the next one as we get more in-depth on some more potential draft prospects for the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. The NFL draft just a week away, an exciting time to be a football fan. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.